0: Lord we just thank you today we thank you for the opportunity to open your word and to look at what you'd have us to do we thank you for the opportunity to worship you in the through the message as well as through songs we ask for your guidance and leading as we open the word in your son's name amen Galatians chapter 4 starting with verse 8 how be it then when you knew not God you did service unto them which were by nature are not God's but now, after ye have been known of God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto you desire again to be in bondage? Ye observe days and months and times and years. I am afraid for you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. I just want to stop there for just that and look at this. Paul is. Chastising the Corinthians, uh, the, the uh, Gal- Galatians. We'll get the right, right people group here. Uh, and he starts out with How be it then when you. Uh, wherefore. Were the... Let's try right again. Let's get to the right place. How be it then when you knew not God, you did service unto them which were by nature are no gods. He's talking about how people live in the world before they know God and how they worship. In Galatia, they worshiped all kinds of gods. They had many gods, and they had one of the chief chief temples for Apollos was in Galatia. And they were used to worshiping other gods. And for the, well, the ones that were in the Jewish group, they were used to worshiping under all the different rules of Judaism. But he's saying, you, before you knew God, you served gods. And we all serve gods, no matter what. Even people who say they don't believe in God, they, they say they're an atheist. They've just made a God out of atheism, <laughs> you know. They, they have their God. They are going to worship something because we were created to worship. We were created to worship. We were created to worship God. And if we don't worship Him, we are going to worship something. Whatever, whatever it might be. And people go, well, we don't worship idols today. Well, i got news for you. Most of us have a whole bunch of idols we worship. You know, our, t- our living rooms are centered around our idol usually for most people. They get to spend hours in front of their idol being being blindly entertained, and they have their whole room set in in for that idol, just like every other church ceremony. And am I saying all TV's wrong? No, but you think about this, and and I've been guilty of it, watching hours of television and, and being brain dead for hours. Uh, we have people that make idols out of sports. They can tell you every sports statistic of of every football player or a baseball player or a race car driver. They know every race they've been in and, and how many laps they, they led, the, led it. They know the tackles of their favorite players. They know the, the yards of their favorite runner. They know the home runs for their favorite baseball hitter. They've made, they put all their attention into something and lift it up above God. And it's been said that if you want to know who somebody worships, check out their checkbook. Who do they give their money to? How much money do they spend to different different activities? Uh, you know, and I and I and I sometimes wonder. I see people who are really into sports, and I used to be into sports, and I can remember buying the buying the glove and needing a new glove every couple years, and the new cleats and the, the new the new bat, even though the other one was perfect. It wasn't the most up to date. Uh, you know, needing the new the new shin guards, whatever it might be. <laughs> investing in it. It could be as, as easy as somebody who spends a lot of time on the outdoors. They need their tent, their backpacks, their hiking shoes, their, you know, all this stuff. Is there anything wrong with any of this? No. But who do, we spend, who do we spend our time with? Who do we spend our money with? I love it when people tell me, I don't have to go to church to worship. I can go up in the mountains or I can go down to the lake. And I'm going, you know what? You are absolutely right. You can go to the mountains. You can go to the lake and worship God. But are you? <laughs> are you really worshiping God when you go down to those places and doing those things? Can you? Absolutely. I can worship God sitting at my house, and in, in my car, uh, at the park. I can worship God everywhere and should be worshiping God everywhere. The coming together of his body is important because we build each other up. We edify each other. And, we're, and Jesus himself said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in their midst. And that's the purpose of us coming together. We get strength from one another. When When you're down, you get strength from other people in the body who are who get to build you up and edify you, get to encourage you. Nothing's worse than when you're feeling bad, not coming around people that make you feel better, is there? And yet, what's the first thing we do every time, or not every time, but almost every time? We start feeling bad, we feel sorry for ourselves, and it's like, well, I just don't wanna be around all those church people. They might make me feel better. (laughs) They might just make me feel better, and I want to wallow in my misery for a little while. Isn't that true, though? Isn't that usually how it is? You know, We might just be put into a good mood. <laughs> I've done it myself. Don't, don't take me wrong. I've done it myself. I walked away from the church for almost two years. Just because I was busy, nobody said they missed me, and I kind of wallowed in my self-pity, and before I knew it, two years had gone by. doesn't take long. doesn't take long to get out of the habit of coming and meeting with God's people. But we need to keep in mind when things are going bad, when I'm having a hard time, I need to be around God's people. I need to hear the encouragement from them. I need to hear the word of God being spoken. I need to participate in the praise songs. And then I come back feeling, okay, God is near. I'm not the only one who's miserable. And that's Satan's big lie. When you're miserable, he likes to lie to you and say, you're the only one. We know better. Every one of us knows better. We know we're not the only one suffering, but Satan always comes along and says, you're the only one that feels this way. You're the only one that feels miserable. You're the only one that feels you don't want to be around people. You're the only one that feels all these bad things. And how often do we listen? <laughs> because we are built that way. We just, I feel, we like to feel sorry for ourselves. And Paul is saying, you used to worship this way. You used to follow these, these things. And then he says, But now, after you have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn you again to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto you desire again to be in bondage? We're saved. We've got Jesus Christ in our life. We've got the Holy Spirit in our life. We can get the fellowship of the body of Christ and, and, and enjoy things. And how often do we want to turn back to the old things? You decide what the old things might be for you. For some people it's drugs and alcohol. For some people it is the sport. Some people it's just worshiping other things and not spending time with God. Weak and beggarly, artificial substitutes for God. All of them, all of them are artificial substitutes. We have a hole in our heart that needs God to fill it. And when we don't have God there, we'll try to fill it with anything. And it never fills it. And this is the problem with people get into different ways of trying to satisfy themselves without God. They get into alcohol, and alcohol is good for a short time. It makes them feel feel good. And then it doesn't work anymore. And they have to drink more and more (laughs) and more. (laughs) And then they get to a point where it just doesn't work at all, but they're still trying to get there. It could be anything else that you could try to fill that with. God is the only one that can fill the emptiness in our life. And if we try to walk away from him, he's going to say, okay, I'm going to stay here waiting for you. I'm going to stay here waiting for you right beside you. I'm here if you just want me. And how long sometimes does it take to turn to him? He is the only way to God. He is the only way to heaven. He came and paid the price that we've talked about so often. The law could not do it. The law is good. The law is not bad. The law is good. It just won't get us to heaven. And Jesus paid that price. He said, Paul's saying, you're turning to be back in bondage. How many times do we turn away from God? We come to God. We're excited. He's in our life. And the next thing we know, we're spending time with everything but God. Like I said, I've been there. I walked away. I I replaced it with work. I worked 80 hours a week. It you know, wasn't near as good as being with God. You know, other people have filled it with activities and actions and you know, things to do. This has been filled with you know, drugs, sex, alcohol. I mean, any, any number of things people try to fill God's place with. Sometimes it's just filled with plain loneliness and despair. And people wallow in the despair and the loneliness because they're not trusting God. We've got to keep focused on this. Paul is saying you're going back into bondage, Jesus made you free, and you're going back into the bondage of all the activities that aren't godly. It's very important. It doesn't mean that all we ever do is come to church. I'm not saying that all we ever do is come to church. Probably wouldn't hurt us to do that, but it's not what we're saying. because I know people have to make a living. we have to, we have to do other things once in a while we. You know I I have my my little thing I play I play video football every once in a while once a week once or twice three times a week you know that's my little outlet you know we all have to have some outlet as well but how much time do we spend with God how much time do you spend with God each week have you thought about we don't talk about tithing very much but you know have you thought about this God wants a tithe of your time he wants a, he wants 10% of your time that means about two and a half hours a day do you spend that much time with God 16 16.8 hours a week do we spend that much time with God do we give him time do we pray do we listen to him do we read his word do we spend time with his body I'm not saying this to be condemning but are you doing it because you'll find great reward by giving God his time and you know, hopefully you're reading the Bible. That should, you know, if you're reading the, the three chapters a day on our reading schedule, that should take at least 15, 20 minutes probably for most people, maybe longer if you have trouble reading. But do you spend time praying? We have a hymn that we sing sometimes, Sweet Hour of Prayer. You know, when that song was written, they, they kind of expected everybody to pray for an hour, and if you weren't, there was something wrong with you. In our day and age, how many of us really spend an hour in prayer? How many of us spend 30 minutes in prayer? 15 minutes in prayer? It might be, God, hi, I'm here, uh, you know, give me my blessings today, and I and forgive me of my sins, goodbye. You know, unfortunately, that's what, how much prayer a lot of people put into their day. God, I'm here, see you later. Do we take time to talk to God? Do we take time to spend with Him? Do we, do we get into His Word? We cannot follow Him. We cannot truly say we're following Him unless we know what it is He wants us to do. How do we get to know what He wants us to do? We go spend some time in his word. We get to spend time listening to what he wants. It would, it would be like going to a job and having nobody tell you what to do and just sitting there and say, I did a good day's work. I did nothing. Now, there's lots of people who try that. Uh, you know, I was a manager for many years. If I didn't go and tell people what they were supposed to do that day, they would just probably have done nothing all day. But that's not what God is looking for from us. He wants us to worship him. He wants us to live for him. He told us to go make disciples. How do we make disciples? We train others. We teach others. We help them learn what God wants them to do. First, we need to learn it. And each one of us needs somebody that we look to to be a discipler. You know, who do you go to when you have a question about God in the Bible? You need to have somebody. It's essential that you have somebody. I have a couple people that I go to when I have questions but the greater question is who are you discipling who are you discipling for those with families your kids better be your disciple you no know, because you need to raise them up to follow God one of the things I hate hearing is somebody saying well I'm just gonna let my kids decide I'm not gonna teach them anything well good luck you just gave them to Satan mm-hmm. because Satan's world is, is stronger than anything they're gonna get otherwise we need to train our children we need to train our nieces our nephews our you know cousins whatever about God because they're not going to hear it otherwise they're not going to hear about God unless we take the personal responsibility to teach them when I used to teach kids in the school one of the Sunday schools the one thing I used to hate is having the parents think I was the one that's going to give the gospel to the kids I'm the one in in one hour a week I'm the one that's going to get their kids saved and teach them everything they know about the need to know about the Bible doesn't happen it won't happen in one hour a week if all you do is spend God with time with God one hour a week you're in trouble you're in trouble spiritually because it won't work there's too much bombardment from the world we need to be able to disciple our children or our, our anybody in our life how do they study the Bible encourage them help them help encourage them to pray help encourage them to get into the Bible help encourage to answer their questions because it takes time. This is why I encourage everybody on the Bible reading, start your day with the Bible. Do it first thing first thing in the morning. Because I'll tell you, if I don't get my Bible reading done first thing in the morning, I will be going to bed realizing that I have not read my readings for the day. doesn't mean I haven't studied or anything else, but I haven't read the part that I was supposed to start with. It's almost a guarantee. If I don't start my day that way, I won't, I'll come to the end and realize I haven't done it. So I have to start my day with Bible reading and prayer, just like everybody else does. And you know what the greatest thing is, when you start your day that way, God has been brought into your life for that day. There's a famous quote from Francis of Assisi, who was busy working in his garden. He said, what would you do if tomorrow you knew you it was the end of the day, you had, had a huge schedule, he goes, I'd start reading, I'd get up earlier to read my Bible, because it's so essential to him. So essential to him to put God first. And you know, in my experience, the days that I don't put God first are pretty miserable days usually. Everything seems to go wrong, nothing seems to be going right. I put God in my life first, and He organizes the day. He puts it into He puts things in. And it's amazing the way things will fall into place when God's in charge. If I'm trying to be in charge, it'll be a miserable day. You no. Know, it may not be a miserable day it would just be a bad day and things just won't be falling in place right and Paul is here saying you know God and I love what he said but rather you are known of God isn't it great that we are known of God he knows us I love the idea he knows us he's not impersonal with us it's not us knowing him you know all of us know things about celebrities, you know, you know, because we read about them, we hear about them. You know, some some of you may even think you know know them. One of the irritations on the channel that my wife watches for news is they're they they keep telling so much about their personal lives. that I go and I don't care about your lives. Tell me about what's going on. You know, but I can tell you their wives, their husbands, their kids, their dogs. You know, all this stuff that is totally irrelevant to the news. Yeah. You know, and so you could say in one sense I know them. I really don't, but I I could tell you a lot about them. But it's great that God knows us. He knows us and he wants to be personal with us. He wants a part of our life. He has a plan for our life. He is not some impersonal force out there that says, "I want all your worship and I'm not giving you anything." That is who he is for most religions. For the poor Muslim, they just have this God that pretty much hates everybody and they're hoping to do enough good to be liked by him enough to go into heaven. And they never know if they've done enough. Our God wants to love us. He has a plan for us. And we read through the scriptures and he shows us the plans he's had for others. Think about his plan. He gave Noah a plan to save him. He gave Abraham a plan and he gave him a nation to fall to heaven. He gave a plan to Joseph and Joseph raised and saved his nation. He gave Moses a plan for his life and he rescued and delivered his, his nation. God has a plan for every one of us. Maybe not as great a plan as, as theirs, but what if it is that great? What if God has chosen you to be somebody great in his kingdom? I can guarantee Moses didn't think he was gonna be so, such a great person. He's running for his life because the price has been on, put on his head because he's a murderer. And God says, go back to Egypt where you wanted for murder and deliver my people I have a plan for you you think that would be a scary plan to follow Yeah. go back to Pharaoh there's a price on your head and and just like most just like every place else murder had no statue of limitations in, in Egypt when he showed up he could have been killed right that moment but God told him to go what is God's plan for us none of us know none of us know the plan that God has but what if you were to only lead one person to Christ in your entire life would that be a worthy goal for the kingdom I think it would be the person you led to Christ but think it's a good thing for all of eternity all of eternity they get to be in heaven because you took the time to speak to them it may not sound like much but think about it from an eternal prospect a perspective that's a huge call for your life You want to be able to live in that, follow it. Don't fall back into weak things. In verse 10 he says, ye observe days and months and times and years. And these are just activities. I looked up in a Roman calendar and found out, and and one calendar I found, it had 140 celebrations each year. Now, think about that. We don't have that many celebrations in our, 140 celebrations that were yearly celebrations. To the various gods you talk about having a lot of time off from work that's if you if you worship every one of the gods you were all, you were busy in, in festivals a lot Paul's saying here you're celebrating days you're celebrating months you know activities that come monthly activities that come daily now, a lot of people will say, well, he's talking to the Jews. Well, he's talking to the, uh, the Galatians. There's not a whole lot of them there. There were probably some Galatians that were Jews. And, and the Jews did the same thing. Remember, the Jews have the Sabbath. They have a monthly celebration where they were to bring burnt offerings and peace offerings. They had the yearly offering, the, the yearly celebration of the, of the Sabbath, the sabbatical year, every seven years. They had the year of jubile, Jubilee every 50 years. They had all kinds of annual celebrations. We still today recognize a number of the Roman annual celebrations. How about Easter? Easter was not originally the celebration of Jesus' resurrection, it was the celebration of the fertility god Estar. And still has a lot of the things that are practiced for Easter are part of that ritual. Christmas was picked because it was the winter solstice and they already had a celebration to the gods on the winter solstice. So a lot of the holidays that the Christian church follow are Roman holidays. Now I'm not saying we worship the gods of those times or anything wrong, but I'm just saying those were picked because they were already holidays. They were already festival days. Paul's telling them, you're wanting to go back to what you used to do. Don't do it. Don't become a slave of your past. How easy is it to become a slave of our past? Oh, it's so easy. It's so easy to fall back and do the things that we've done. Our flesh yearns, yearns to do it, our sin nature yearns to do it. The world system is telling us, go ahead, it's your it's your right, it's your, <coughs> your you, you, you need to be feeling good. Go do these things. Just slip back into your sinful nature. Nobody will care. It'll just be you and you and your sin nature. Go back to the weak and baby (coughs) things that didn't didn't fulfill. And Paul's saying, "Don't do that." He said, "I fear for you, lest I have labored in vain with you." And the hardest thing is when you pour your life into somebody. When you pour your heart, soul, life into somebody, your child. You show them how to follow God. You show them how to walk with God. And then you watch them go some other way in insanity. <laughs> Getting into drugs and sex and alcohol and, and workaholism and forgetting God. And you watch them and you just, you want to you want to be in tears because you, you, you've invested so much. You spend time <coughs> in, a, in a church as a teacher in, instructing and teaching. And then you watch people do the opposite of what the Bible says to do <laughs> and all you want to do is reach out and smack them upside the head and drag them back but you can't because the decision is between them and God we, w- we will pour our lives into people our hearts our lives into the people some will register and grow some will turn their back some will turn their back for a time and come come back if they know God, they'll most likely come back. My oldest son did that. He went off the deep end, went, went off into the world and then came back. Not a guarantee. The Bible says train up a child in the way he, will, he should go and when he is old he shall, not, he shall return. So we teach, we instruct, and we hope that enough of God's heart gets into them that they'll turn back. But you know, we're not responsible for their actions. You know, and this isn't what I want to tell the parents. If you're hurting because your child is, is off in the world doing their own thing, keep praying for them, love them. But remember one thing mo- that's most important. You are not responsible for what they've done. You aren't. Even if you were a terrible parent, you're still not responsible for where they're at. You may not have been the greatest example, but they still had to make choices. And they're responsible for their choices. I just want to say that because I I meet so many especially moms who are just really heartbroken because their kids are off doing everything except following God pray for them love them and then let God deal with them sometimes that's the hardest thing to do is just let God deal with them because we want to get our hands in there you shouldn't be doing this you shouldn't be doing that you should be in church you should be you should be reading your Bible you should be doing this and what do they end up doing not wanting to listen to us (laughs) you know if all we're gonna do is tell them what they should be doing they're not gonna want to listen to us they're gonna tune us out and even if they don't physically not come what they're gonna hear is the Charlie Brown's grown-up voices wah 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 (laughs) yeah what was that you said I didn't hear a word you said (laughs) we need to love them we need to encourage them if they ask for for godly advice we give them godly advice we may have times to give them godly advice but if they're out there drinking and getting drunk all the time and all you're doing is hammering them about their drinking, it's not gonna work. You love them. You encourage them. Encourage them to turn to God in one sense, but don't keep going after what they're doing, what you think they're doing wrong because it may not be even what God's wanting. And I've said it over and over. We as Christians have one big problem when we're witnessing to people. We like to try to clean up their life before we give them the gospel. That's not what God did. God did not tell us. Go make good people and then give them the gospel. That is not what he said. He said, bring the gospel to sinners. Bring the gospel to the sinners. (coughs) Once he gets hold of them and he's got their heart, he can change them. But if we try to just make them good, all we have is a good sinner headed to hell. That is not what we're wanting. We want people to hear the gospel. You are a sinner. You deserve hell. Jesus paid the price for you and resurrected. Accept him as your Lord and Savior. He gets in their heart, and then grace changes them. God gets hold of them and says, I want you to, want you to live through you. I want you to be an example, and I'm going to be the one that does it for you. Because I'm going to crucify you, and I'm going to live through you. It's great when we do it God's way. We do it God's way we just give the gospel. We preach the gospel. And the gospel, I say it every week around here because I want people to know it's easy. It takes three to five minutes to give the gospel to somebody. And and then you can follow it up with, do you want Jesus in your heart? All you've got to do is confess that you're a sinner, that you deserve punishment, and that you accept that he paid the price. Easy to give the gospel. And then encourage them to find a church. And you know, I don't care what church people go to, as long as it's a Bible teaching church. Because I'm not here to build a kingdom in chloride, I'm here to build God's kingdom. And let God build His kingdom. And if you need, if you lead somebody, Lord, we've got a little booklet in the back that we can get people to, have to fill out and understand what it is they've done, what it means to be a Christian. If you need it, let me know because it's a good starting place to. On, what it means to be saved, and how to find a ch- you know, how to get in to study the Bible. It's a very good book, it's about eight, six to eight chapters long, very short, fill in the blanks. But I wanna encourage everybody, are you sharing Christ? Are you living in a way that people know that you're a Christian? Do people, when they look at you, say, you know, they may not know what, the, what, what it is about them, but they're weird and they're different. <laughs> and we as Christians should be weird and different as far as the world's concerned. it's it's interesting because on my on my block I know I know the houses that have trouble I know the houses that are drug houses I know the houses that have have marital problems because the police are out there a lot trying to break up their their arguments do people when they look at your place say wow they're different they don't know why they're different but they're different they know that you go to church do they know that you lift up Jesus Do they know that he's the center of your life if he's not in the center of your life, make him the center of your life. He should be the one in control. So I just want to encourage them. Get into God's Word. Get into, get into prayer with them. Worship. Sing songs. Spend time with the Christian radio once in a while for an hour a day. Especially if you listen to the one I listen to. It's all preaching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which bore most people. But, you know, and I, and I, when I was younger, I used to be bored too with the preaching. And I've come to the place where I almost listen to nothing but the preaching now because I want to be taught, I want to learn. I want to learn more and more about God. And I hope that it becomes part of your life, that you want God more and more. Not legalistically, you know, that you have to read my Bible or else, no. You should be wanting to read your Bible. You know, Just like when you get up, well maybe most people don't eat breakfast anymore, but sometime during the day you should have a time when you are sitting down at the table wanting to eat. Your body has told you it's time to eat and we all know what happens if we ignore our body it starts screaming at us with sir wrenching tied up stomachs or or growling stomachs or you get weak do we do the same thing with God's Word it is the food for the spirit how often are we feeding our spirit is our spirit screaming for food because we haven't fed it for a whole week have we, have we? do we open our Bibles every day to feed our spirit do we, do we look at how our spirit is fed or do we starve our spirit and say okay you can have a little bit of food on Sunday morning when I go to church a little bit of food from, from that, that crazy guy that stands up front you can have a little bit of food from him challenge us to get into God's word if we could get everybody into God's word every week every day talking about God sharing the gospel. Our country needs a revival. It has to start with us. We have to be revived first and then we bring it out to the world. If we're going to see a revival, it's going to start with (coughs) individuals sitting in the churches, getting on fire for God, saying, I am going to spend time with God. I am going to go out. I'm going to share God. I'm going to share Him with other people. Because everybody in your family know what it means to be a Christian and your extended families if if they do that's great you've done your job You you don't want to hound them every single time you see them you need to be saved you need to be saved but have you shared the gospel message with your family your extended family all of heaven all of eternity depends on that there will be nothing worse than having a family member Standing at the white throne judgment that you've never shared the gospel with and they're going to go to hell because you never even took the chance that they might listen to you. It's critical. It's critical. Think about that. Is there a member in your family that that you love, that you have not shared the gospel with? If God was to call us home today and they stood before the white throne judgment, would you be guiltless of of their soul because you shared the gospel? Now, if they rejected it, that's their problem. But have you shared the gospel with them? Have they heard it from you? You may go, well, God will make sure somebody else shares it with them. And you're probably right, because when they stand there, they won't be, there won't be anybody who's never heard the gospel. But you know, your loved one might have listened to you more than that stranger on the street that shared the gospel with them. They might have listened to you more than that pastor that the church they visited the one, one Christmas or Easter. They'll have heard the gospel with your love for them might have been what changed their life. And I know that's hard, but I want to just encourage us because it's on my heart right now that we get out and we share. We don't know how much time is left in this world. If you read the book of Revelation and Daniel and Ezekiel, it appears that we are in the end times. Any moment now we could have the rapture, any moment we could hear the trumpet to go home, any moment everything can, all hell can break loose on this earth. And two-thirds of the population that's left, that's not saved, will be killed. When you add up everybody in Revelation that dies. We're close. There needs to be an urgency. Has our family heard the gospel? Have I shared the gospel with everybody that I love? Or even like? And I would go so far as even that you hate. Because hopefully you don't hate anybody enough that you want to see them spend eternity in hell. If you do, you don't understand how bad hell is. To burn for eternity. To be in torture for eternity. To be yearning for God for eternity. To be going over what you've missed for all of eternity. You don't want even an enemy to go there. I guarantee that if you really understood it. We don't want that. We need to be opening our mouths and sharing the gospel. That's the one thing Jesus told us to do. Go. Go and make disciples in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. We need to be doing this. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, that we don't want to turn back to the old things, that we want to serve you. Lord, give us all a burning desire and heart to follow you. Give us a great ambition to seek you out and to follow you. Help us to speak your words of, of the gospel message to those around us. Help us to really see e- e- hell and heaven for what they really are so to motivate us. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.